again. Pretty much stopped. There's still a little bit coming down, but for the most part, field looks good. And they are ready to play. Forward Madison FC has kicked the flock making noise. Welcome back to another episode of Forwards Backwards Podcast. Not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe and not from the Gimme Some Truth Studios. This week we discuss the tax code, Neil's Poshmark page, and today in Forward Madison history. As always, I'm joined by the Ben to my Jerry, Dan Fallon. Dan, are you angry that Forwards Backwards Pod didn't draft any additional weapons for you? Yeah, a lot of upset people in Wisconsin, huh? Um, as someone who doesn't follow the NFL, I'm, I'm all of a sudden acutely aware that apparently the Packers needed a wide receiver. <laughs> uh, we, we probably could have upgraded our producer talent. You know, that's something we should have done. Um, I mean, you know. I, I'll, I don't know. I think you're, you're more than serviceable, Keith, and we get you at a very good rate. You're, you're, Thank on, you. Scottie, you're on Scottie Pippen money. <laughs> I am on Scottie <laughs> Pippen money. Uh, you know, uh, and more than serviceable is about the nicest thing anybody's ever said about me. So thank you, Dan. Uh, welcome back uh, to the pod. Cowboy Neil at the Wheel Lavati, who promises us to uh, update us on uh, new music and his Poshmark page. Welcome, Neil. I'm back, boys, and doing sales as we speak. Mustache thrift, is that right? Mustache thrift is in full effect, even though I uh, trimmed the mustache up today. It's, we're, in a, we're in a regrowth period, regrowth, building year. So uh, if Neil is in a building year, by the way, we're joined by the man who is challenging Cowboy Neil for the title of best mustache at Forward Madison, uh, the co-host of Forward's most popular podcast, the podcast that shall not be named, Kuba Shishostanyak. Hey guys, yeah, let me just mention that Neil, it was, it's kind of my inspiration for this, this mustache is uh really been kind of harking back to our eastern european roots here um during quarantine so just felt if you appropriate. can if you can bush it out a little bit more you can really get the lek valesa valesa you know mustache going we'll we'll stand behind you and scream solidarity time and grit when i Kuba, i will say when i first saw this i go oh yeah you're related to your dad <laughs> <laughs> thank god it was one of the one of those moments of clarity uh, <laughs> We, we got to give a shout, by the way, to Dan Fallon, whose quarantine beard has come in quite nicely. And it's, it's yeah. thick. It looks thick. And unlike <laughs> yours, Dan, the, the gray, unlike mine, pardon, the gray on yours has sort of receded. The gray on mine seems to keep kind of coming out and, and filling out. Also, I have uh, these patches that just don't fill in, and I look terrible. Let's be honest. I, I look. I gotta. I gotta say, I like that my gray isn't symmetrical. It's more like somebody painted one spot and then like painted another spot over here. So, do you think you had some sort of acute trauma on your your lower <laughs> left chin? That's why that's that's gray. My first first time I was ever elbowed in a soccer match <laughs> wasn't the uh, last. Oh, we'll excuse our rule about not talking about our own playing careers. Uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the tax code today um, because I thought Rilke last time uh, just wasn't going to bore people enough. <laughs> I'm kidding about, well, uh, no, I have, a, I have developed because Dan sort of set me off and we're, we're not going to go into the exact thing that Dan set me off on Saturday morning. And he's like, 
I just really hope that text I sent you got you really angry Saturday. And I was like, no, I actually went to bed last night angry because, you know, this whole Union Omaha thing, I read about how basically they didn't have any sponsors and then they decided to donate the sponsorship. And it's like, well, is it really a donation if you don't have any sponsors? And so I started doing because, you know, in my professional life, I'm a very liberal guy who loves helping rich people save money on taxes. And I started <laughs> gaming out the, uh, the tax saving scenarios in my mind. And it just made me angrier and angrier. And then I was also pissed off because the who gives a hoot podcast. I said something like, you know, uh, um, you know, I can't imagine anybody would want to listen to five hours of USL league one, 15 minutes of USL league one talk, Never mind five hours of it, but, Good luck, guys. Clearly not in podcast. Not well, exactly. That's the joke, Neil. That's the joke. <laughs> but that they, that came out five hours. Yeah. It was it was like part of like a, some sort of rocket league, right, or FIFA thing, or even some, worse. Even no, worse. <laughs> no. It, it they did it on their own, and and I thought, and and you know cool. It was going to be opening day. You know, I retweeted, you know, said people check this out, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, Oh, is this our first forward backwards heckle, you know, for the event that we're doing for, for charity. And I'm like, fuck you. You know, <laughs> like, first of all, first of all, we've been heckling you all the time on this podcast. You guys just don't listen to it. Second of all, don't give me that self-righteous bullshit. Like self-righteousness <laughs> just drives me up a goddamn wall, right? I mean, Dan Wait, and I, Dan you, knows you this. Mean, you mean like people being upset about eight people playing golf at Nakoma, Keith? <laughs> That's getting edited out. <laughs> because that piled on top of my self-righteousness, yes. Uh, my, this, my, our, our, our text chain on Saturday had me just in tears with how angry you were about so many various topics. Around, I know it was, it was uh, my day people off. You too. thought were being self-righteous pricks. <laughs> I just, you know, self-righteousness, like, you know, be a prick. I mean, I'm an, I'm an asshole. Uh, I'm an asshole all of the time. I think everybody on this podcast would agree with me there, but I'm not a self-righteous asshole. You own it. I wonder, I wonder I, if I our two guests are reconsidering this last-minute invitation now that we're <laughs> laying in one of the teams in their league. <laughs> I mean, these are not my own comments. I'm just a, I'm a contributor. This is not my podcast. So. Also, the, the, I, de I decided – You're not even a contributor because Wikipedia won't put it up. Well, we're going to have to change that. I, I do think we need to, to bring it against Wikipedia. We need to, uh, 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 you know, form some sort of Wikipedia war going Who's on. Who's our guy who can get it done for us? I think Kuba's the guy. Oh, Mitchell. Mitchell Meerman. Mitchell. Mitchell, if you're listening to this, we need your help. I need to get Neil's Wikipedia page updated with his media, with his media information. He's a media sensation, I think, is what he should be called. There's a he few is. things we could probably update at this point, like. It's, it's been a few years, so yeah. who knows? It, you know, be licensed coach, Neil Lovati. Poshmark Mark. Kingpin. S small, apparently business so own, small business owner. Yeah. Yeah. Entrepreneur. Don't put uh, me in the your category just yet. Uh, because, Neil, <laughs> apparently you're not just Poshmarking for yourself anymore. You've created a little Poshmark cartel 
kind of thing that you've got going on? Don't say that. They might be listening. Is this these people, so are you like you sneaking into these people's houses and taking the, the gear and then reselling it on, on Poshmark? What's going on here? It's pretty much like our 400th follower. You give, we take. Okay. So the, is, this they don't, is this all leading up to you buying tigers? No, absolutely not. No tigers. It's not no. a pyramid scheme, but if you draw it out, there's Neil at the top. <laughs> then he recruits a couple people. Poshmark uh, fees are on top of me. That's, I, I don't think they right. like the term pyramid scheme. I think it's multi-level marketing. Yes. Kuba. Yeah. Multi-level marketing. Thank, thank you, by the way, Kuba, for that visual, uh, which we'll be pleased to share with the folks at home on on the live stream of this podcast. That's nice. It, once again, guys, it is not a visual medium. Uh, so other than, and I think I, I had the legal stylist voice in the back of my head preventing me from doing the full-on tax code rant, but I just want to say this is the only podcast in America where you can go from a discussion of Rilke and White Castle to the tax code. Uh, but what we really wanted to what we really wanted to talk about today was uh, we actually have some today in forward Madison history that is important. And Dan, you actually came up with this idea kind of last minute, didn't you? Yeah, well, we were kind of, we had one idea in our heads for something today and then that didn't pan out. And so um, we want to send our love out to Chris Fox. Um, but all of a sudden I was like, well, you know, it is the one year anniversary of the uh, snow opener and we do snowpener, Dan. Hashtag snowpener, snowpener. Um, and we do have access to two people who were on the front lines of uh, of making that game happen. And um, you know, and I think it was you know seeing all the pictures and going through some of my pictures. You know, obviously was probably the most. Um, I would say the most. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It was probably the most emotional thing I've done so far. With regards to forward Madison, where I was really feeling that, like, wow, that was only a year ago, and we've already, you know, we're not getting to see them play live. Are that. you a bit for clumped, Dan? <laughs> I was earlier. I was earlier. Um, so, my, yeah, I mean, I was like, let's get Kuba and, and Neil on, and let's hear about the crazy shit that nobody else heard about that went on in the lead up that week and the day of. And I know Neil's already confirmed that the mud on the field was from the Gators that, that came from another, uh, another facility. But what are, I want to hear some of the other stories and like, what was that week like? And, you know, we were, we were four, what, that was our fourth game of the season. We had played three road matches up to that point. Um, you know, so open-ended question, like, what do you guys remember from that week leading up to the game? And, and, you know, then we can talk about the, the day of. Uh, yeah, it was I actually watched a little bit of the game recently um so that was super fun <laughs> real quick uh, the, the a lot of a lot of, lot, of, lot of stellar play out there on a perfect pitch it, it was kind of what a much anticipated home opener would be in the snow so it was like everything <laughs> you thought it would be uh, but the the week was i mean everything leading up to it is very interesting it, it, when you think all the way back uh we had a bye week the first week of the season so we kind of had an extra week to, to watch some teams, but at the same time, like we were in a place in the table where whoever won was ahead of us. So we were, no matter what, not going to be top of the table go after week one. Um, then we had a few games on the road, Chattanooga, um, great traveling support that came down there. Couldn't, couldn't pull for a result. Um, 
Then we had a few more on the road, finally get our first victory in Orlando, and then we come home. Uh, we had a tough one in North Texas, and then the week leading up to it, everyone's buzzing. The players are have a great week of training. Uh, I remember the weather was finally turning. So wait, just going back very quickly to the Chattanooga game. It was uh, one of our traveling supporters was Mr. Fallon, um, and they weren't able to bring a drum in, I believe, right? Correct. I didn't even know about any of that. I was pissed anyway. <laughs> Dan, Dan was, that whole day, Dan was like me on Saturday. That's really what it came down to. Something had triggered him. The drum wasn't was the only issue. I was unaware of the whole issue with our tickets. I was unaware that they we didn't have a drum. I didn't know about any of that stuff. Um, I just didn't like those people once I got in there and saw their faces. <laughs> Dan, Dan wanted to reserve his right to free speech, I think is what it came yeah, down that's to. That's true. That's true. He was out. He was, you know, uh, your your liberty should not impinge on my right to, to free speech or something to that effect. Correct. Continue, Neil. Continue. Yeah, so it was uh, it was a great week. I remember the training training was pretty good that week, and it was a moment everyone in the club was looking forward to. Um, and the weather was actually the week. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah if I remember correctly. The lead up was great. The week the week was the week was great. We were, you know, I was I was trying to like look back on it this, this morning. I was like, it was just such a blur. You know, we're trying to get the stadium still ready. A lot of construction was still going on. I don't think a lot of people realize that. All the suites weren't finished. You know, there was still so much to do. And we that Monday before the game, when we were at Breeze, we were like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're hosting 5,000 people in here a few days. Yeah. Did you, uh, was the attendance expected to be good even early on, or were you a little worried? Or um, they, they kind of started talking about the weather being bad early in the week. Um, so there was some worry. You're already kind of getting people saying, you know, hey, weather's not looking great. What are you guys canceling? Are you thinking about canceling? And, you know, the word was always no. Um, we had good media was picking up, you know, and media coming to training. We did a few morning shows that week. Um, so the buzz around town was really good for that game. But there was that kind of like underlying worry. Um, the Friday, so the day before the game, I think we were, yeah, you guys had like the light training session meal around 11 or 12. Yeah. Um, I remember it was 70 degrees. I went out with uh, Peter Wilt to, to midfield and we were blowing up the giant uh, pink flamingos to get them ready for the halftime show for the next day. And we were, we were in our t-shirts, laughing, joking. We had some of the guys racing in the Flamingos after the training session. There was, just, it was such a great mood, mm -hmm. a lot of fun. Um, and then Saturday, Saturday happened. I don't know if it was as much fun. It was memorable, though. Yeah. <laughs> we can, we can kind of echo that of Friday's session was cool and everyone's looking forward to it. I know a lot of the guys did some – some extra interviews afterwards, a good media showing. Um, and then Daryl and I had lunch and we went to the Oaks golf course because it was one of the most beautiful days of the year. Uh, I think it was the first time that we both played the Oaks, uh, 67 degrees, perfectly sunny. Don't remember, uh, how we played that day, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and then I remember going home and kind of having, uh, the restless feeling of, uh, I just want tomorrow to be here. And then the next day came. I live a, a few blocks from Greece, and there was snow on the ground. <laughs> and Kuba, uh, when did you guys make the decision to overnight the orange soccer balls, uh, which Connor Kaloya on the podcast called the most expensive soccer balls in history? Yeah, I think – I don't remember the exact day, but it was pretty close to the game when I realized, like, all right, we, we might need these things. As, as a kind of the forecast started coming up. 
<laughs> more and more towards towards Blizzard. Um, yeah, the, the orange balls got you know made their way over, and then Saturday was kind of just watching it throughout the day as it kind of progressed, and you know it seemed to almost get worse up into, into that afternoon weather-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so that's where we were kind of worried about you know, and USL had flown in all the big shots. Stephen Short was in town. Casey Mills, head of operations for for League One. Um, so there's just these like huge conversations going on. Is this going to happen? Are we going to kick off? And then of course we're getting about, you know, a million phone calls, Facebook messages, tweets of what's happening. You know, is it safe to even drive in? The roads were pretty bad that day. Um, so yeah, it was, it was hectic. It was a wild, wild Saturday. Was there um, ever a moment where you didn't think the game was going to happen? <laughs> no chance. <laughs> no, I think, I think, we thought it was going to go on. Um, we knew the guys were going to be able to clear the field and whatnot. Um, safety-wise, I think it was okay. Uh, I think the biggest issue we had, actually, the biggest like wrench we had in the plans was that morning, the mayor put in a, a tent ban in the city of Madison because it was so windy that day. Um, so a lot of things that we had planned to have outside, fan services, different tents that we had set up for you know guests, um, VIPs. We couldn't have any of those tents. So there was really almost no cover in the stadium itself other than the player dugouts, press box. Um, I think that was about it. And, and, you know, the bathrooms. Otherwise, everything, and you know, under the rooftop. Um, and the luxury boxes. Yes, which, which not all of them were, were operational for that, for that uh, first game. Neil, when you Keith was operational. <laughs> uh, we're going to come to that uh, because I think we have four different perspectives on game day. Uh, Dan, <laughs> you know, among the flock with the common folks, Kuba running around like a crazy person, Neil on the sideline, and me with my shrimp tostada, <laughs> enjoying a fine red wine and watching the match with, you know, the Dane County clerk and, and the lieutenant governor and the mayor. So it's nice knowing you, you plebeians. But uh, Neil, when you, when you woke up in the morning, how many uh, uh, text messages did you have on your phone? from guys being like, what the, what the hell? I mean, there was, uh, we had a few, but we had, we had warned the guys on Friday that this was a possibility, but um, it's interesting that people talk about cancellation because we knew no matter what, we would play the game. It was going to take something truly remarkable and to stop this. Uh, little did we know we got those ATVs just in time to clear the field, or we probably wouldn't have played because as we saw the field when it ended up happening um, and watching it back a few times, the first half was, wasn't great. The field wasn't great, but I think a large part in why it carried forward. Um, I know the game was delayed a little bit because of the amount of fans getting in. And I think it was a, a first time around for everyone um, about everything within our stadium and our club. And so the game was delayed by, I think at least 20 minutes. Is that right, Kuba? Yeah, that was about 30, 30 minutes total at the end. Yeah, so and then the, the snow finally kind of subsided on the field once all the, the first half was over. And you could tell in the first half the, the quality of play was quite poor. <laughs> it was not a stunning example of world-class soccer. Kuba, uh, no. how, did, how did the, uh, the ATV show up? What was the, how did that work out? I, I have no memory of how that happened. I leave that all to, to Trig and the operations boys. <laughs> we, had, we had so many moving parts going up to that game that is just like, I know Trig probably had some guy that he knows. Um, 
And, you know, it was like, since we knew there was snow, I was like, all right, how are we going to remove it if we need to? Looking at it back, what, what was the like most MacGyver shit that you saw that day? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I don't have anything specific. I think probably uh, anything Vern was doing in the 24 hours leading up to kickoff. <laughs> I did like, I mean, you'd saw that guy like hanging from the scoreboard, you know, doing electrical wiring, talking with the, you know, the fire inspector, MFD, MPD guys. Uh, Vern can do just about anything. Yeah. And so, um, Dan, you and I were at the, the, the high noon uh, before the game. Yeah. Is that the, the first moment that you realized like, holy shit, this is going to be a big deal? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it earlier today, and like, you know, we've we've talked about the Marquette game. You know, like I think that was kind of my first moment of like, wow, there, there's a lot of people that care deeply about this. You know, the second moment I think being the Chattanooga game, like that people were willing to you know pay the money, fly down there, drive down there, do whatever, stay over, go watch the team for their first game. And but you know all of that still was like this kind and of back you up in a fight in a Chick Fil A parking lot. <laughs> yeah, so that, correct. That we knew you had some blood brothers at that stage. You know, but both, but even those two events were still a very kind of tight knit small group of people. A lot of them I could point out as like I know them from the Liverpool group, or I know them from the Chelsea group, or I know them from the Arsenal group. And so you know, I, I don't think I still had a kind of a feeling of scale. And I'll never forget walking in to the high noon that day and just being like, holy shit. Uh, like in my head, it was 500 people. It was probably not that many people. Uh, I don't think the high noon even holds that many people, but it, it, it was a scene. I mean, there were people there, everyone was partying. Um, and, you know, it was clear that there was like this bigger ecosystem of people who had just been waiting for the home opener and were willing to come out in pretty much the worst conditions you could watch a soccer match in. Um, conditions well, uh, I get used to being soccer fans in Wisconsin because I think that's yeah. you know that's going to happen. Fans but. of sports in Wisconsin, I think it just goes Correct. goes with the territory. Well, not the Brewers fans. Yeah, well, there's a reason they have a dome. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say we you know we got to the high noon and I remember um, I had a friend uh, from Scotland who was going to come up and watch the game and hang out that weekend and he ended up looking at the weather report and going eh, no thank you. And like, uh, so I had this ticket to get rid of and I was like, oh shit, this is going to be like, I'm stuck with this ticket, you know, like minutes before the game or whatever. And, you know, I put it up on the Facebook page and somebody snapped it like that. And I was like, okay. And then we got to the high noon and it was like, people were just coming in and coming in and you saw people you knew. I ran into people like that I had seen at the, the, you know, opening thing at the history museum there and and then the 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 bus from the highbury showed up and you're like like this is a thing now right like i remember like you know peter wilt posing for pictures with everybody you know like like this is an event and like people were like oh i'm you know and like that ticket just like went in and out and i was like you know more and more people kept kind of coming through the door to the highbury and then you had the march over and I, I, but you had the march over, right? And, and that was your first march over, right? Dan? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, and I'm always, you know, I, I can always be a little hard to please. And so like, I was always like, yeah, is this going to be, what's this going to be like? Is this going to be lame? Like, I don't know if I want to be a part of this. I remember I was in the back and I posted a picture, I think on our, on our at forwards back walk to 
Twitter uh, accounts in response to your uh, poster pictures from the first match. You know, I stood in the back and I was like, yeah, let's just see how this goes. And like, I just remember being like, this is fucking awesome. And like, we have a football club in our town and there are hundreds of people here who care about this as much as I do. And again, it was, it, and to me, it was like, that was great. And like the scene was great. But for me personally, it was being despondent when we lost in Chattanooga, being despondent when we lost that game in North Texas, being, you know, relatively okay with us drawing nil nil given the, the circumstances. But it was, this wasn't just about like, oh, I get to go out and drink beer and watch a soccer match. It was like, I care about this team and I care about the results and I care about the players. Um, and I think that first night, was just kind of like all of that kind of came together in, in kind of one event where I felt all of that. Like, this is my club. I care what happens. And I care about all these people here, here with me. So I got a couple of questions for Keith and Dan as fans, because we're obviously on very different sides of it. Um, was, was there a point um, at which, and Dan, you kind of just described it of, where you think this is something that isn't just a one-off as a home opener is going to be a good crowd and a lot of people care like I do, like you were just describing. And secondly, what was it like to walk across the field in warm-ups on the first on, on that day? Like, what is that like? I saw it happening and we like we feel I felt it as a coach and the players felt it. And it's like holy shit, this is fucking awesome. But as a fan, to be like given access to the field, which I've never seen before in professional soccer. What was that like? Keith, you probably just went right into your box. So you I probably did. did. I, I skirted around the line. I said, I am a VIP. Uh, I have to get into this box. And so I, I was maybe drinking a nice, you know, a nice uh, Chardonnay. Yeah, and a little Chablis, maybe a Pinot Noir. And, uh, you know, so I was just, you know, sitting there hobnobbing, laughing, you know, uh, but uh, no, I, I walked over with the crowd. I wanted to make sure that I could walk over. And I, I mean, that was just like, I couldn't like objectively, like it, it, you're in that crowd and it's what a couple hundred people. Mm -hmm. It felt like there were a million people. Yeah. And mm -hmm. like, if you wanted us to seize control of the government that day, I think we had the forces <laughs> to do it. Like it was just this, like this mass that, you know, went beyond the, the, the numbers that you had. I don't know how, how else to describe it. And to yeah. this day, I, I still do not believe it happened. I don't know how yeah. else to put it, you know, as a kid growing up in Madison and playing at Bree Stevens and, and, you know, coaching there and doing all that stuff. I never thought we'd see a real live professional football atmosphere in our town, quite frankly. And so it's still, it still boggles my mind it, and that everybody was into it in the same way kind of suggested to me at least I don't know about you Dan that it was gonna keep going yeah to, I mean Neil your specific question I don't think like in the moment I kind of understood the fact that we were walking across the field <laughs> yeah. and, and that that was like unique um like to, and to be honest like I've been to you know I don't know I don't know, maybe 10 or 15, maybe 20 professional soccer matches between club and, uh, uh, and um, national team matches. I've never really been part of the supporters group. I've never, you know, so I've, I, I didn't have anything to say like, 
oh, this is really different that we're like marching across the pitch of a, of a professional team. I do remember, I think, having the same feeling Keith had. Like it felt like thousands of people rather than probably the 200, 250 or whatever it was. Um, I, I, but, you know, we were walking across the field and the guys are warming up and they're pushing the snow up. I mean, I'll never forget any of that. Um, I do think after that night, like my questions of whether, like if people were willing to show up yeah. at night in those conditions, I was not concerned. Like, were we, were we going to sell out every match the rest of the season? I'm like, I don't know, but are there going to be 500 people standing behind the goal at every match? Absolutely. Like that after that night, I mean, when we rolled the TIFO out, I was like, people are, this is amazing. Like, this is what people, um, hope for I think or they don't even know they want it and then they see it and they're like well I you know like I knew friends who over the course of the season moved you know had regular seats and then just ended up because they were like I want to be a part of that and I think that first match um it blew me away I couldn't believe it I couldn't believe it no I, I mean I joke about uh you know being in the in the box and all that I still regret a little bit that I wasn't in the flock end you know, uh, drinking too much with, with you and Opta Lee. Um, Opta you, made Lee up, you made up for it, Keith. Uh, Opta, yeah, Opta Lee definitely made up for it. Uh, Opta Lee uh, is not going to be joining us. He's gone missing like he did about two-thirds of the way through that match. <laughs> is, is, um, are we also blaming Kessler on this occasion? I should, I sh- you know, Connor Kaloya was on. I wouldn't tell him that I was imbibing of liquor that was brought in from outside of the stadium, but – we went through, I think, at least two or three of the little shampoo bottles of Kessler that <laughs> that Optilee had. That I think he had, he had he had hidden away in his cavity. Those are hand warmers. Yes, I I do think that when that much snow comes at a at a sporting event, all rules are off because you can't get hard liquor at at Breeze Stevens, and you need something fortifying. You need a shot of something. I will say I learned my lesson. I think game one about you don't have to get the 32 ounce beer every time you go <laughs> to the bar. Um, yeah. I was like, well, of course I'm going to get the 32 ounce beer. And it was like, yeah, well that was like 140 ounces of beer. I wonder yeah. why I feel this way right now. <laughs> it was, well, and actually I should be honest. It took me until about the 10th game. to learn. Yeah. Uh, let's be honest. We're still okay. kind of learning that lesson, Dan, because <laughs> every time uh, we may, we may have stepped it down from the 32 to the 24. We're like, oh, only get the 24. Don't get the full giant tub. Because the problem is, too, when you get in the summer, it gets warm in that big tub. Yeah. So we've, yeah. we've scaled it down. So, you know, Neil and, and, and Kuba, were you guys during the kind of buildup, was there ever a, like, panic moment or, a, you know, what the hell is going on? Or, or was it all, like, just focus on our job, just, you know, this is what we need to do? This is what we need to, to, to focus on. And, um, I mean, I, I, for me, I had a little bit of a, a panic, uh, about hour and a half. That was quite crazy. I had about, um, national anthem singer showed up at at the same time as the Lieutenant governor's security detail, plus some radio, ho- like it was about like 10 different people that wanted to talk to me all at the same time. Um, so that was just kind of, and after that, I was like, oh, this is a job that I can delegate to other people. Um, but first game, we had <laughs> yeah, an experience. You don't, you don't so realize yeah. that, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was, there was a little bit of a hectic bit, but, and then the delay honestly helped out in a sense. I know it was not great for people to stand, stand around for another 30 minutes, but I think it helped us get, get a few more things under control. So um, 
yeah, it was, it was a little hectic there for a little bit, but all in all, worked out. Is, was there ever a moment where you were able to kind of stop and look around and think, holy cow, like we actually pulled this off or did that not happen until later? I think the second half, the, I mean, my first like goosebumps moment that night was when we, when we were like standing on the field and you could hear when you guys were talking about the march, you could hear it from a, a couple blocks away already. You just kind of hear this like faint, like drumming and this like chanting and you're like, is on the radio. People are like the flock are on the way. The flock are on the way. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you could just like, and you, you can see through gate one down, down East wash. And it was just kind of this like mass of flags and drums and just this like huge pink mass heading towards the breeze. And, and that was pretty cool. Um, was, was Is that something fun. the players noticed, Neil, when the, did they hear that? Like, did they start, you know, when they heard that, did they start kind of elbowing each other or? We could, we could all definitely hear it, and we're like, where's that coming from and what is that? Because we, we'd obviously been through a few game days as a staff and as a team, so we were kind of familiar with what we do before games and how it, it kind of operates, but never at home. And then that happens, and just, everyone kind of stopped, to be completely honest. We were playing possession, uh, and we were at the possession point of our warm-up when that happened, and a lot of guys just stopped and looked behind them and like, who are these people on the field and why are there so many of them? <laughs> I'm like, all right, guys, let's keep warming up. Let's go. But it's like you, you take it in and you're, you're kind of in all of it. You have to be. Well, and Neil, I ask, I mean, you, you know, you've played professionally a lot of places. Was that, where does that rank? Like in the kind of fan engagement kind of supporters of the club you've been involved with. And I, and I don't want, you know, you don't have to throw it, you know, throw anyone else under the bus. You've played for some great clubs with some great sports groups. I I think uh, one thing you'll see, um, especially within uh, second and third division soccer in America, uh, in a lot of locations and stadiums within warmups, you go out and it's not a, there's no atmosphere within warmups. That's, that's pretty much a constant theme everywhere you go. There's not, there's not quite that, especially as when you go to opponent stadiums where you say, it's, it's the same as always. There's not really a lot of people here. But when, when that happens, uh, I think that's when you truly start to feel a, a home field advantage. You're like, that's why I don't think North Texas was very successful here. That's why we should have been more successful at home, and I think that will, will happen this year and for years to come because it's the expectation. But that doesn't happen anywhere. <laughs> to have a crowd pretty much buzzing 30 minutes before kickoff. Yeah. Um, I think the flock timed their march well to make that happen. It kind of happens 10 minutes before we go in, which give them credit. Um, that's a good time to come out because that's towards the end of our warm-up. But, yeah, that, I've never never really seen that happen uh, in this country. And, you know, were the guys uh, – you know, you, you'd been through this before in your warm-up. You know, you have that process that's supposed to – did anything get – thrown off was there any did did guys feel a little bit more flighty or nervous and you know with the snow and the the flock and the you know did it you know other than that moment where you got them back to possession was there did you notice any difference with with what you and Daryl had to do in that pregame than you had in previous pregames I guess did anybody want Keith shrimp tostada (laughs) a little It 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 was relatively normal um we had them out at the same time. Might have been delayed by a few minutes, and they kind of just had this. Everyone was happy to be out there, even though it was snowing. Like you couldn't really. No one was frustrated by it or thrown off. 
uh, the moments when it started, uh, the cake started to, I mean, the snow started to kind of cake and thicken up on the field. Guys were a little thrown, but at the same time, they were like, this is our home opener. Look at all these fans. They got on with it. Uh, declared their own little areas where they were starting to do certain things in warm-ups. Uh, the point came when we went back in the locker room where it just, like Kuba said earlier, it, it kind of just got worse and worse. Um, where we said, okay, we're delaying by five minutes, we're delaying by 10 minutes, we're delaying by 15. But it was at the point of, one, the field needs it, but two, we're still letting fans in. And I would go back out from the tunnel and peek out of the stairs, and I'm like, holy shit, like there's still people coming. <laughs> like, they, just, they just keep coming. And the 32-ounce beers just keep ending up in people's hands. <laughs> so it was – the guys were very, very up for it. So it wasn't like you you were going to have to make this hoorah to get them going. We always knew as soon as they walked out, they're going to be ready to go. Uh, Kuba, what, what was, you know, going on behind the scenes with the fan? Was it just people arriving late? Was it a combination of just, you know, new systems in place and people – because – Madison fans tend to not arrive. They, mm-hmm. they kind of maximize their drinking time at the <laughs> yeah. tailgate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, Mad- Madisonians and I think Wisconsinites in general are uh, very good drinkers. Um, <laughs> and we like to be at bars and spend time at bars. Um, so that, that definitely, you know, played a hand in it. Um, I think it's just a combination that you have people work in gates for the first time. Um, we have pretty, pretty strict security requirements from USL. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's medical detectors, you know, things that people have to go through that I think people aren't used to as much at Bree Stevens Field, especially, you know, it's just like, oh, I'll just pay 10 bucks and I just go walk in. Um, so kind of security was, was an issue. First time for a lot of people, kind of inexperienced staff. Um, I think just confusion with, you know, how everything was going to work. Uh, when the players came on and off the field, we had to set the barricades in front of that, that, that one staircase that got backed up quite a bit. Um, the weather obviously didn't help. There were no tents. So, you know, tickets were getting soaked wet. People had a lot of issues with, with, you know, getting their tickets out. Um, so it was just kind of a combination of of a lot Mm -hmm. of things. Um, but once people were getting in, they're getting their beers. Also, I think people had that extra 30, 40 minutes of drinking in the stadium. So it was a good, (laughs) people were happy for the most part. Like you would think like people would be like, ah, but everyone was just like, this is awesome. It's snowing. People were pretty wasted, um, but it was like it was really happy. We didn't have any ejections or fights or anything, so it was uh, a good, good, happy Wisconsin drinking night. Um, I can say from my perspective, in the lead up that week, as the as the, the forecast got worse and worse and worse, I remember just being like, probably until about Thursday or maybe Friday, just being pissed, like being like, like because you know the weather was great and it was like, why aren't we playing tonight? Like this sucks, like. I mean, the first game and and then I I had that moment of like this is perfect like this is this is like you couldn't ask for a better home opener for a team in Madison and you know like and then I think once like and I think a lot of people and I'm not you know I'm not saying I'm unique I think a lot of people made that decision in their head like this is it like this is what's happening and we're gonna roll with it and we're gonna show up and we're gonna support the club and um, and I, I still remember now again it could be the the Kessler or the 32 ounce beers or whatever. I like loaded up on clothes and I wasn't even cold. Like, you know, it ended up being what about probably about 35. Yeah. yeah. It was a little above freezing. I remember thinking like, man, I'm actually kind of warm. Like this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be like once the snow comes. Listeners, it was the Kessler. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, you know, it it didn't end up being like a miss. I've been at other events that have been, you know, 
I was at a Packer game years ago where it rained. It was miserable. Like, you know, and this wasn't miserable. Um, and it was super memorable. And I'll, I'll never forget. I think it was Liam was like interviewed on one of the local news stations and said something like, you know, in years to come, it'll be, there were 24 inches of snow on the ground. <laughs> I think it was what about four, maybe five. Uh, yeah. yeah, and of course it melted by Monday, and everything was wonderful. And uh, did either of you guys? So you know, all the USL honchos were there. Uh, that was uh, we were playing Greenville. Uh, John Harks was there. Uh, you know, your um, wives. Yeah. <laughs> did did people from USL or from Greenville come up to either of you guys after the game and be like? holy cow, like, was USL impressed by how well you pulled off this kind of snowstorm setup? I mean, they're from Orlando. What, what happened? You know, what was the feedback Tampa. after the game? Tampa. Who cares? It's all the same city. It, they chose headquarters based on its proximity to Mons Venus. <laughs> <laughs> Great reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been, but the Yelp reviews look good. Um, <laughs> Great, Great buffet. Yeah. I mean, I had a, I had a really nice, uh, it was probably like 80th, 85th minute, um, kind of just watching the game from, from the corner over by East Flush and, and Patterson, um, and Steve Short and, and Casey Mills were there and they were just, these guys were thrilled. They're like, they're like, this is amazing what you guys have built. You know, we haven't seen an atmosphere like this yet. Uh, he's like, the only issue we have is the fans with that one cheer make some. And I was like, I was like, they're saying flocking. I was like, we, we. and he's like, oh, I don't know, I know. I was just a little worried about it, but so we, we got, we got the flocks back though. They're saying it with an L. Everybody knows that. Yeah. What about you, uh, Neil? Did other players, uh, coaches come up to you after the game? Steven Short, question your language after the match, anything like that? The, the players had kind of, for the ones, I mean, obviously it was a brand new club. So everyone played together for the first time at home there. Um, and we kind of had a, a realization in the locker room after the game that this is, this is what it can be like it, uh, as a team um, to keep it like this um, and to be thankful for it. And, and since that first game, um, as, as a coaching staff, um, Daryl discussed with all the players that no matter what we do at home, uh, these guys turned out for us. So every game from here on out, we go to them and we thank them for being here. Um, and that's something the players are always expected to do from every game. Um, and when you talk to a lot of players that were here last year, whether they're here with us again or not, um, they're like the fans. They're never going to forget that game. Uh, that was my first professional coaching game at home in Madison. I'll never forget that. Um, it, it was it was wild, um, and having a few words with with Harks before the game. I know they had a good home opener. They had a good turnout. Um, I think probably us and them had the two best turnouts in the league. But to have that weather and to have the the, the city show up was you can't ask for for anything more. You can't you can't ask for anything more. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, it's turned into a bubbling pile of cliches. It's fantastic. No, I just had a beverage delivered to me while I'm pod listeners. So I'm very thankful to my girlfriend for this amazing delivery. Podcasting at home, one of the advantages. Uh, Dan, do you, do you have any other questions for these, uh, these two guys? Anything, uh, anything else that stuck with you from that night, Dan? It gets a little hazy afterwards. Did you guys go to the Essen house after the game? Neil did. 
we went, I thought we went to what is now Vintage Brewing, if I remember, Dan. I am like literally, I can't remember. <laughs> um, post game. I, yeah, I think we went somewhere closer. We did not go to the SM house. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it was a long walk over there. I think I Ubered home and uh, I think yeah. I got out of there pretty quickly afterwards because I had drank quite a bit of my free Chablis. Uh, <laughs> while in the, there, in the box. Is there a part of you as fans that every time the home opener date gets announced for Ford Madison, you kind of hope it snows that morning? No. No. <laughs> so we want this to be a one-off, is what we're saying. Well, I, I think I, I honestly, me personally, I think I would have the exact same thought process I had that time. Like, I'm like, fucking a, why can't it just be nice out? And God then, damn it, Wisconsin. I would just, I would have my moment of zen and just accept that you know you can't control the weather. And um, no, I mean it, it was fun, but like you know, I'd rather not have to put on multiple layers and uh you know that kind drink of drink kessler from questionable <laughs> bottles humans <laughs> <laughs> questionable bottles from questionable humans yeah i was with my i was with my buddy jared and all of a sudden it was like halfway through the second half like where's optally <laughs> and he wasn't optally yet he was just he was Lee. He was just Mr. Lee. yeah <laughs> i i, I kind of ask you that because uh, if you look into my Wikipedia page, which isn't perfect yet, um, oh, I, played in, I, I played in Edmonton for two years. Um, and by the time my second year came around there, ownership came around to saying, uh, we didn't obviously draw as well there, but they came around to saying, okay, uh, we're a cold weather place uh, like Madison. We're a cold weather place. So let's use this to our advantage um, as a team, but as a as supporters as well. Um, so that's where I kind of look at this and I see, can we open up with a home opener in the first week of the season and still be okay? Like, I think as a club, our, our support would turn out. Will we have sellouts in every game? Maybe not, but I think we have a tremendous advantage in Madison where our players are used to training in the cold. We do it throughout preseason for the most part. And when it comes from the beginning of the season and then we get into October and November for the playoffs to go, we'd be the most comfortable team in the cold. Yeah. And that's as been fans, my, it's been, you would be the most been, comfortable t- team. That's been one of my uh, – a theory I've had about the Minnesota Vikings. Like, why did they give up that home field advantage and put themselves in a dome? I know it's miserable for your fans, but they'll come no matter what. Because and, Minnesota and suck. <laughs> oh did i say that out loud so no. i agree with you i agree with you neil like i think this idea of neil neil all we really want all we really want now is a home playoff game in the snow that's we've had a snow opener now we want a home playoff game in the snow i would say this i would want it to snow from about 10 a.m to about four and have the snow banks around the field but the field like pristine perfect but we have that winter atmosphere because Let's throw some it's all, it's or, all mental. Or, it's the other team sitting there in their hotel watching it snow yes, precisely. all day and being like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're about to go out and play in this. Exactly. Or you, you know, you're, Don Smart comes out, no shirt, giant beard, just like. Corona beard. Yeah, <laughs> let's do this. Yeah, precisely. And that's and then players will know that. That's what they're getting into. This is This is our advantage. I also think halftime, you know, you're down a goal. The snow comes over the half. 
the other sure. team comes out and they just wilt uh-huh. like spring flowers and you score, you know, two, one at the death, two, one, you know, the snow keeps building up and we just get drunk standing there as the <laughs> snow just builds up on us. They keep the, the stadium bars open and we're just going nuts for a He's playoff, for a championship. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I have a very active this imagination. This is a dream board. This is yeah, dream. I have my, my Pinterest page. I'm putting images up for this. Um, so uh, before we, we get going, as always, we, we uh, turn to our, our guests for some musical suggestions while we're hanging out at home, uh, because otherwise you end up like me. And I listened to four late 60s Grateful Dead shows over the last couple of days. I got to say, they kicked ass in the late 60s. They were fantastic. Uh, but guest Kuba and mm-hmm. guest Neil, what 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 should we be adding? And well, Dan always has a musical suggestion. Can I, but can I could I just I need to interject one moment. I just checked my phone. My wife, who's somewhere, she can hear me. She can't hear any of you. She texted. I think I picked you and Jared up at the Brink Lounge. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, that's where I went after the match. There is your answer. <laughs> another successful night in, in in dan's life uh so um w- what should we be listening to and, and dan you're gonna you know close up with what you're listening to if it's not late 60s grateful dead which i highly recommend what what are you guys going with uh my, my kind of pick me up for quarantine uh we listen to this a lot in the morning in the office and you know something we want to play at the stadium doom flamingo domingo's drive look that up um, Doom Flamingo's got a lot of just up there, but it's a, it's a great, great jam music. I concur. Uh, it'll, it'll get you pumped up. We listened to a little bit before the podcast. That's why we're, we're so lively. <laughs> uh, Neil, what are you recommending to us this week? Um, we'll, we'll kind of go off a listen that I've pretty much been going with all week um, and that I've seen live uh, this winter, a uh, band called Mount Joy, self-titled uh, album Mount Joy. Um, the reason... I'm going to plug him is that I watched him, uh, the lead singer, Matt Quinn, on uh, Facebook Live today. He put on a good show. Uh, but the reason that I, I like them, besides their music, is uh, they're actually good people. Um, on New Year's Eve, um, I got scammed for some tickets to one of their shows in Chicago. Um, I took a shot in the dark and DM'd them saying, hey, this is a situation. Watch out for scammers. Uh, they say, this, this, this. Show up at the door. Your name's on the list. You have three tickets. So they, they showed up big time. I had a phenomenal New Year's because of it um, in Chicago, and they were playing with Wilderado, and it was an awesome show. Um, they put on some good music. They're kind of like a, a indie folk, soulful rock. So go ahead and give them a listen. They'll bring you up, and they keep you up. Dan, what, what are you going with in, in Corona Teen? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not go as old school as my Jackson C. Frank uh, recommendation from last week, um, but a band that was very important to me because we joke a lot about, you know, I listen to a lot of Fish, and I also listen to a lot of The Dead, and there was a part of my life where I pretty much would only listen to those bands and like a couple of other bands, and I was a little um, close-minded about certain things. I think I found myself in kind of a a cult, if you will. <laughs> and um, I'll never forget, I was living in Washington, D.C., and it was back in the day when Conan O'Brien, they would replay the previous night's Conan O'Brien at like five or six o'clock on Comedy Central. So you could watch last night's 
episode. This was probably like in 2003, 2004. Um, and I saw My Morning Jacket, who I had never heard of before. And they came on and played One Big Holiday. And I sat there with my jaw on the floor. And as soon as it ended, I went on the internet. I dialed it up. <laughs> uh, went on AOL. And I, and I bought that record. And it was like the portal to me, like being like, wow, there's a lot of music out there that I'm not listening to that I, I need to be listening to. Um, so I all, and I, so I just listened to the whole album the other day when I was on a run for the first time in probably a decade that I've listened to the whole album. And I was like, yeah, this was like, that's probably one of the most important albums of my life post college that kind of set me off listening to a lot of different types of music. So, so if unlike me, uh, you get nominated for one of those things, you'll participate in my morning jacket will go on there, huh? Oh, definitely. Definitely. My morning jacket would be one of the, in my top 10. Um, also started listening re-listening to Dr. Dog, another great band from like the mid aughts who I loved for years. And then, you know, you things. And I just listened to about three of their albums the other day. and was like, gosh, these guys put out, just three or four just incredible albums in a row. So there you go. A um, couple, of, couple of things I'll add, but besides uh, 422, 423, 69, I uh, want to give a shout out to local. Uh, I'm waiting for two albums, actually. Jason Isbell, who I, I listened to on the dog walk today, in the rain. So we're lucky that, you know, we didn't find me curled up in the fetal position because that was, that was a pretty depressing afternoon dog walk. Uh, <laughs> waiting for his new album, Reunions. Run the Jewels 4, we're waiting for. Uh, you know, uh, it was supposed to be out before Coachella and apparently LP said, well, now that Coachella's in, in September, he's got some extra time. But a band that did come out with an album that's great and has a local connection, uh, you may know this, Kuba, Nick Sanborn of uh, Sylvan Esso went to Middleton High School with my brother, and they just came out with a live album, With, which is uh, excellent, recommended. Uh, great band, if you haven't listened to them. And uh, we'll say until next time. For- wait, wait, wait. No, we won't. No, we- Nick Sanborn is from Middleton? Yep. Yeah. They're not from Durham, North Carolina? They, they met in Durham. And they lived in Durham, but he's originally from Middleton, Wisconsin. He graduated from Middleton High School. Yeah, his sister was in my class. Wow. I mean, I knew the guy from um, the Punch Brothers is from Middleton, uh, who plays with Dave Rawlings and Gillian Welch. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, That's amazing. I just saw a mountain man, her band, last summer in Rockport, Massachusetts, at one of the most incredible venues I've ever been to. That's news to me. I had their their, their concert videos... The last time that Chris Fox was on the pod, uh, he mentioned that Gabe from the DJ, DJ track star of Run the Jewels, uh, Madison East graduate. So we're, you know, Ma- Madison is, is slowly creeping out into, into the world, I suppose. Uh, no longer just Steve Miller. Uh, so <laughs> uh, until next time, we say forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. Forward, and there it is, the final whistle. 
after the boot from Dallas J. And this game concludes a 0-0 draw.